108 contenders, seven best pictures, two all-time box office champions, 10 years. It was the decade where stars were kings, where sequels were rare, where superhero films were nearly non-existent. It was the decade of countless classics, cult favorites, and heated topics of debate. The decade indie film rose to prominence that began the box office careers of Leonardo DiCaprio, Will Smith, Sandra Bullock, Jim Carrey, and Adam Sandler. The decade that brought Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, and the Coen Brothers their first Academy Awards. Dinosaurs, Lions, Beauties, and Beasts. Forrest Gump, Mrs. Doubtfire, Kevin McAllister, Sherman Klump, Jack Ryan, Aladdin, Anakin Skywalker, Austin Powers, Ghostface, Ethan Hunt, Batman and Robin, Woody and Buzz, Jack and Rose, Tommy and Chucky. It was the decade that defined a generation, our generation, as it's also the decade we were born in. We're searching for the greatest blockbuster of our youth, the greatest blockbuster of the 90s. Multiplex Madness Forever begins on this, the 142nd episode of What's in the Box Office. Cue theme music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's in the Box Office. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm your host, Noah, and I've been uh, I've been really meaning to get around to that theme music for so long. You've been mm. asking me to cue it up. I really have. And I'm uh, very happy uh, to have finally done so. I feel it, accomplished. We can finally begin our podcast. Yeah, here we go. Episode one. This is a, a blank slate. Um, here we go, Noah. Uh, we begin again. Multiplex Madness. It's It's that time of year. Uh, it's only the second time we're doing this in March, but it's our third tournament overall and the last of our decade tournaments. We have 108 uh, films that are contending for the title of the greatest blockbuster of the 1990s. This week, we're drafting half of those contenders. We're looking at four genres, and we're going to pick out of either 14 or 13 uh, contenders which ones will be competing against each other. Um, I'm very excited overview of the decade Noah. let's let's talk about it the 90s uh what do you what do you think film was about in the 90s what do you remember what do you know now uh talk about the influence or just what came out of it or what it what, what it thinks it means to you or the film industry well what i know about the decade is why i think this is going to be our most interesting multiplex madness yet because relatively speaking it's not as much uh you know, we obviously grew up in the nineties, but we were still small children. Uh, so we get to actually like look back on a time and revisit a lot of things that we weren't necessarily experiencing, uh, like in a full fledged way right up front. Uh, I think, you know, just looking at this whole slate of movies, it's very clear superhero movies just weren't a thing yet. We talked about a lot that a lot in multiplex madness, 2000, uh, that uh, you know, X Men and Spider Man really kicked that off. There's a couple. There's a Batman or two here or there, but I think that's uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, which is very cool. The you know, you look at the franchise starters, the uh, sequels. Se- sequels, not even sequels, not as strong of a category this so, year. Same as franchise starters. I think the heat of this is the dramas and the romantic comedies. I think because this is, this is the decade where star power was in charge. It wasn't about a property name or an IP. It was about who people liked and those stars didn't think they needed to join the franchise game. So 
they they did more diverse movies and they were big hits. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be very interesting. I think there's there's less of a there's less of like a definitive front. I guess there is probably one. I think there is. Yeah, at least at least one definitive here. front runner. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But neither of our neither of our tournaments has been won by the. That's uh, true. By the highest grossing, not even yeah, close by, to the highest grossing. Yeah, or even the, you know, the movie that we would have thought, like you know, if it's That's not right. Avatar, it's going to be Dark Knight. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, uh, Dark Knight. And uh, or Finding Nemo, and no, it was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon for Multiplex Minus Two Thousand, and it's going to be uh, Avengers Endgame or maybe Black Panther, I guess. And uh, and it, 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 the winner was Get Out, Multiplex Madness. Yeah. So, so I'm cur- I'm curious to see if the '90s can supply like a a, a blockbuster that was intended as such yeah. from the start that can uh, hang in there, uh, or if we're going to see another. Uh, movie that kind of became a blockbuster by happenstance uh, take this thing home what's nice too is that we're gonna have uh more critically acclaimed films because those tended to be buzzy and leggy uh, you know we're not gonna have as many um takens or despicable me twos or you know just things that got 60s or 50s or lower on rotten tomatoes and metacritic hangovers the hangovers, exactly. Things that made money tended to be uh, well liked by critics as well. For the most, there's obviously you know some filler there, but oh, for the sure. most part, um, a lot of Oscar nominations, a lot of stuff that is what's it, what's also interesting is we're getting into what could, are considered classics now. You know what I mean? I don't think anything from the 2000s can achieve like classic status, like something that could go into um, like the the uh, Library of Congress, for instance, right? The National Archives. Sure. But like here, I mean, we have we, we have the first computer animated film. We have uh, the mo- one of the most success, like three of the most successful independent films. We have the the behemoth, you know. I mean, we have things that change the game. And looking back, because we're thirty years separated from it, um, I think are considered in in a class with the classics from the eighties and seventies. So it's very. Very exciting. We're drafting half of the competition. Um, we didn't talk about what, what our what our uh, divisions names are. That's true. So they will remain a mystery. Yes, or maybe the same. Who's to say? Although some of the sure. things we talk about are uh, competitive, competing. Some of the ones that we have are competing in this, so sure. Maybe the point is, is we will we will not be addressing it on this podcast. But you, don't have to wor- you don't have to worry about the the bracket right now. We're we're not dealing with the the actual bracket. We're just picking movies no. that are going to be in contention. Why don't so so people kind of understand? Uh, we are changing the scoring system before yeah. we pick because these will factor into what we pick. Why don't you explain uh, what the scoring system will be in uh, Multiplex Madness Forever? Sure. So uh, we're sticking with, uh, it's going to be mostly the same. We still have the uh, the quality of movie, the bigger uh, box office relative to its budget, and the uh, harder road to success as categories. We are getting rid of impact upon release because, as I said, we just weren't really as cognizant in the 90s. No, no. you know, we remember a few of these things. I kind of know what, what it was like when Titanic came out. But generally speaking, uh, I was watching Dragon Ball Z at the time, so I don't know what was happening. 
I I mean, and even so, I, as someone who would see these movies occasionally, you know, sure. uh, I still did not watch aware. Dragon Ball Z. To did my not knowledge. watch Dragon Ball Z. I, I wasn't aware of the lexicon, what was going on in the general consciousness, really that closely for me to be able to give my input. Right. So instead, especially for the early films, half this yes. decade is a wash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's going to be a couple ones that were released before we were born. That's right. I uh, so instead we've split legacy into two categories. We have a legacy of the movie itself. You know, how is, uh, how is Titanic perceived today mm-hmm. uh, and legacy sort of the broader legacy of the, uh, the people and aspects involved, you know, Same. who, if anyone did Titanic launch into stardom? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. Three-time but... Academy Award winner Billy Zane might have something to. Uh... Yes. <laughs> Yes, is Titanic's broader legacy the career of Billy Zane? Maybe. Sure uh, if it if it gets drafted today, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Well, let's find out if it will because we are starting with the drama genre that rhymes and it threw me for a loop. Um, the films that we we have fourteen. Is that correct? You have the the broad sheet there. Uh, yes, it is correct. Okay. I should have pulled that up. Uh, I think I will. But the the films, while I pull up the full actual document, why don't you run down uh, the films in contention, the 14 films from top to bottom gross. You don't have to say the gross. That's just how they're ranked. Right. Yeah. It's not not an indication of quality or seating or anything. But yes, our 14 movies in the drama category are Titanic, Forrest Gump, Ghost, Saving Private Ryan, The Fugitive, Apollo 13, the Firm, A Few Good Men, Goodwill Hunting, American Beauty, Pulp Fiction, Unforgiven, Schindler's List, and Philadelphia. That's right. There's um, uh, any any number of, as you were saying, just absolutely classic movies in there. A ton of them. And I, uh, I was telling you earlier that I had, I had gone through and done some uh, some prep for this ahead of time, and just made my sort of instinctual top eight that yeah. I think should be drafted. Uh, some, you know, really some really big culturally important cuts for me. At least one cut that was really personally painful. But I know what it uh, is. And there's uh, there's also just very little chance that the eight movies that I think should go through are going to be the same eight as that you think should go through. So I'm sure uh, I'll end up losing a bit more than that. This is going to be tough. Um, let's get into it. So we're going to do, the, uh, we're, we, we're not doing the snake style, are we? No, we just alternate. Is there no, there's not like there's enough, uh, things for us to do at snake style. Um, all right. So then, uh, who's picking first? Oh, uh, maybe because I won technically the last one. I go first. Isn't that what we said? On sure. The, yeah. The so do you, do you want first pick in drama and franchise or do you want it in comedy and horror? Oh boy. Just looking up what the number one is. This is down. You know, some of these logos didn't load, and it's making it really difficult to see what the things are. Um, what's number one in franchise starter? What's that ninety three? I. Uh, that's going to be Jurassic Park. Gotcha. Yeah, I want drama and franchise starter. All right. So then the first pick is yours here. Uh, okay, so uh, should I run? I oh, that's right. I'm not. Oh, we talked about. It. Am I running down these uh, stats or? Oh no, we're not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just uh, going through what looks good. I, I my first pick is uh, the one seed is Titanic. Yes, 
Six six hundred million dollars, number one film of all time, the first film in history to cross a billion worldwide. Fourteen Academy Award nominations, eleven wins. Uh, I mean, just crazy stuff. So yeah, it's uh, definitely Titanic. And long held the title of you know highest grossing movie ever made. It held it for twelve years. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's got to be. It seemed you could say unsinkable. Yes. And we all know how that goes. So that is a uh, first pick done. That is absolutely uh, correct. Uh, the second pick falls to me. Uh, and it's a tough one because I think on, on the money alone, there's obviously a pick here, uh, but I'm not you sure, you know, this is not just above the number three yeah yeah this is not just a tournament of what grossed the most there's other factors involved that's our next uh, podcast series yes <laughs> just a tournament of what grossed the what grossed the most it's uh, a one so episode tournament my pick for number two here is saving private ryan interesting second pick which i not i'll go I through uh, i'll go through what you got here it's uh you know Still, still quite a successful movie. Two hundred and sixteen million dollars. Yeah, it was a uh, crazy uh, high Metacritic rating. Yeah, ninety-one on Unreal. Metacritic is the number one film in ninety-eight. Yeah, it's the highest-grossing war film of all time. Uh, Eleven Oscar nominations, five wins, uh, and was just I I think compared to five wins, including Steven Spielberg's second best directing Oscar. Yes. Yeah. I. Uh, I think compared to the two films uh, monetarily above it, mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of has a a more enduring legacy. The cast of the movie, the uh, you know the way it's broadly considered today. Yeah, you're not, you don't really have a lot of people that are like, "Is Saving Private Ryan good?" Like, yeah, it is. It's outstanding. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I think there's one film on here that because two of our categories are legacy. Uh, is going to not be get picked, <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a shame for the movie. But oh well. Well, I'm. Uh, we could talk very, about very, it. Very curious yeah. to see which one you're talking about. We could talk about it. Um, that's a good pick, Private Ryan. My second pick and the third overall is going to be 1994's Pulp Fiction. Wow. Yeah, I think that that uh, 108 million dollars domestically, which frankly seems insane. Uh, now, 94 on Metacritic, seven Oscar nominations, picture, director, best actor, best supporting actor, and supporting actress, and it won original screenplay. Uh, I mean, it's inc- so influential. It might be the most influential film on this list uh, on in this tournament. So I, I feel like that's got a really good shot, and I'm pulling it forward early. That was a, uh, I think that was a good reach. I had that ranked relatively low just yeah. because of the, uh, you know, the overall gross. It's I was not... worried you'd pick it first. I, I mean, I really, I really should have. I'm, I'm looking at this list now, and I, I think I would still have it ranked like fourth. Sure, but uh, yeah, well, it's, it's ranked third. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so now, because this is a box office tournament, I can no longer uh, ignore. You can't the, uh, ignore Colossus it. You of a grocer that's left. So I will be taking Forrest Gump. Yeah. With my next pick, uh, three hundred and twenty-nine million dollars is a lot, 
Uh, also, still, you know, 82 on Metacritic. It was the number one film of 1994. And, and I, I don't have it listed, but it was, I feel like I'm 80% sure it was in the top 10 of films of all time then. It was certainly in the top 15 or so. I would, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's you know, you've got these, uh, you've got these reference points in here. Uh, that's basically the equivalent of uh, grossing more than the Dark Knight mm-hmm. today. Uh, and it's still, you know, I, there is there is sort of a a small but buzzing hive of people. The the is Forrest Grump good crowd? Yeah. God, I can't Forrest. believe I made it through that sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I thought you said Grump. Did I? Shit. I don't know. That's that's what that's what he's called when he's an old man. Yeah, Forrest Grump. I uh, and but it's it's still it's still very broadly beloved. You know, I I th- I think I'm probably of the camp that like Forrest Gump is fine. Maybe not one of those like all timer movies that a lot of people think it is, but a lot of people think it is, and yeah. that's just too much money. So I can't I can't let it slide any farther. All right, my third pick and the fifth overall is also going to be a legacy pull, Noah. Okay. I'm going with Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, that's good. I think the the Ben and the Matt of it all. Uh, and adi- in addition to that, $138 million, uh, nine Oscar nominations, picture, I think, I'm pretty sure director, actor, supporting actress, one supporting actor and screenplay, uh, you know, just a huge hit. And I have down there, uh, you know, the, the adjusted gross. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. The, so, uh, yeah. The broader legacy of Goodwill Hunting is is enormous, yeah. and I think is going to carry it pretty and far. We also like it a whole lot, so I think oh, yeah. that'll help yeah. too. It's also, it's also just incredible. Yeah. So this is now your third pick, right? And then I get one more. Yes, that yeah. is correct. Yeah. Uh, what are you going for? God, I don't know. This it's is real this, tough. This is when we. This is when we start getting into the group of movies that like I I start seeing what's not going to make the cut. I uh, and there's still <laughs> this is this is also when we start getting into the uh, you know my my lack of a relationship with some of these movies affecting their seating. Like Ghost made 217 million dollars. Number 2 movie of movie 1990. Best picture I, nomination and one actress and screenplay is huge. And like it's on my uh, it's on my big board. And look at that adjusted for inflation, four thirty four. That's crazy. Yes, uh, but I'm not going to pick it yet. I mm. uh, <laughs> I'm going to le- I'm going to leave that to you, and then we'll see if it falls to me. Uh, so instead, I'm going to go with the next highest grossing movie left, The Fugitive. It's a very crowd pleasing choice. Yes. Uh, Fugitive is sorry. I've got to navigate over to here. Hundred eighty-four million dollars. The uh, what was that? The four, the fourth, fifth highest grossing. Uh, third of ninety-three. Oh, yeah. of this. Group. No, I just of this group uh, is the fifth highest of yeah. this group. It's the third highest of ninety-three. Eighty-seven on Metacritic. Uh, seven Oscar nominations, including picture. It won supporting actor mm-hmm. for uh, our boy Tommy Lee Jones. In 1993, you know, you adjusted for inflation and gross more than it, which is huge. And also just, I, I really like it. 
<laughs> I really like The Fugitive. Sure. And I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of movies uh, on this list that are uh, hugely important to me that uh, are looking increasingly likely to not make it. Uh, and so I go, I go, Ugh. I go with the one that made the most money for my, like, it has to make it through pick. You know, I, uh, uh, this is my last pick and yes, it it's tough because Paul 13 is a terrific entertainment ghost is good. And it was just such a huge phenomenon. Um, however, if we're deciding the greatest blockbuster of, uh, the decade, and we consider all these films to, to be blockbusters, right? That's yeah. why they're on this. Con- in one, in one, uh, in one way or another, they, then I, and I think that I have to pick the greatest film on this list. And I think I would be remiss and I think I would be a bad Jew if I didn't pick Schindler's List. When you take into account that it's a three-hour black and white Holocaust film, it almost making $100 million and just 322 worldwide is kind of astonishing. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Can you imagine a black and white three-hour uh, Holocaust film making a hundred and seventy-five million dollars in today's market? Because I can't. No. Um, Ninety-four on Metacritic, twelve Oscar nominations, including actor. It should have won supporting actor and seven Academy Awards, including best picture and uh, Spielberg's first best directing Oscar. It is uh, the best film on this list, maybe the best film in this tournament, and. Uh, uh, it's an important film and it's just quite simply if we're talking about blockbuster perspective, a stunning achievement as far as money-making goes. I mean it to sell that many tickets with three, three hours, which gives you less running time, less show times that you can show it at that movie. That means that these screenings were packed. And so it, 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 it uh, yeah. Schindler's list gets my last vote. Yeah. That's uh, you know, quality of movie is one of our factors. It's, Depends how you weigh it, and I think especially in the drama category, it's very important. Now, I have a guess on where you're going with this. Okay. I think you're going to zig where... uh, I think you're not going to zig, you're going to zag. You think I'm going to zag? Yeah. Do you think think I'm going to zag in the the way that only I would? I'm going to text you. And Uh I don't want you to look at the the text. Okay. I will. I will say as you're texting me that uh, I have not announced, but I have made my pick. I'm sure. So I'm putting first what I think in my mind is like the obvious choice. What you're going to do, right? Sure. And then instead, I think you're going to do this. This is. This is very nerdy. You're, you're, you're building up suspense for me. We're supposed to be building up suspense. I just them. sent it. Did you receive a text without looking? Okay. So, yes. Do you think the first one is what I'm expected to do? The second one is what I'm actually going to do? Yeah, I think you're going to zig where you are. I thought you'd zag, yeah. Yes. I. What's your choice? Both of those movies I desperately want <laughs> on this list. I'm sure, I, yeah. But I think I really think it would just be malpractice to not pick Ghost. Okay. I uh, 
I, I'm doing it. I've locked in the pick. I'm very yeah. sorry then that I didn't uh, pick my personal pick, and which which apparently you know disqualified you from picking your personal pick. I mean, it's uh, it's fine. I think I think broadly, objectively speaking, like you know the the two the two movies you were looking at me to pick were A Few Good Men and uh, Unforgiven. Right, I thought you'd go with a few good men, and a few good I men being it, among my most favorite movies ever made. Yeah. And then I thought you would then zag and go, you know what? Actually, boom, Unforgiven, a film sure. that you greatly admire. Yeah, I do. Uh, Unforgiven, uh, very important to me as well. But listen, we are a box office podcast first. Sure. Uh, to gross two hundred and seventeen million dollars in nineteen ninety. Yeah. It's the equivalent uh, of is, basically Toy Story Four. Yeah, it's just I can't I can't I can't leave it on the table. All right, for a, for a few good men. I want you're you're I, you're I really gonna watch to. you're gonna watch Ghost. I'm gonna watch Ghost, that's and that's exciting. another thing. Like I can't I can't let Ghost slip by just because like I've I've I saw Ghost uh, muted in a bar once. How much of it was I there? I think I was there, wasn't I? I think you were there, and it was like a good amount of it. Okay, yeah. you were there for a while. Uh, we we have our pick. So the the one that I mentioned earlier, which I I said because one of them is Legacy from the for the individuals. Yeah, it basically disqualifies American Beauty, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. really, really hard for that to win. Uh, Legacy. So we're leaving on the table uh, Apollo thirteen, which is a damn shame. Um, the Firm, American Beauty, Unforgiven, A Few Good Men, and Philadelphia. Two Tom Hanks films. We're picking one of them. Uh, and uh, two Tom Cruise films. And we're picking none of them so far. Or picking yeah. two. We, there's four Tom Cruise films on this list. We picked two of them. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty wild. good. Wild. So, uh, Noah, what are our uh, contenders that we picked? And who right. who will they be facing? Do we have that also? Yeah, yeah, you you can probably do that. I yes, I'm just yeah. uh, I'm going through and finalizing that now. So our contenders in the drama category, uh, Titanic first overall pick will be going up against Ghost, a a, a juggernaut battle in terms yeah. of box office. Uh, Saving Private Ryan is going to take on Schindler's List. Pulp Fiction will be taking on The Fugitive and Forrest Gump up against Goodwill Hunting. Wow. I'm, I'm Did, all, is I'm that Spielberg nervous. on Spielberg? No, it's Pulp Fiction against Schindler's List. That's what you said. Yes. Well, that's, I, that's all. That's a finals matchup already. Jesus. Yeah, no, I, 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 <laughs> oh my God. I want, I want to get off. This is going to be hard. Holy shit. That's fucking wild. Okay. And then what's Forrest Gump against? Forrest Gump will be up against Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Got it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. Very exciting. God, this is going to be crazy. Very exciting. All right, let's move on. Our next genre is comedies. Let's lighten things up a little bit. No, who Happy are time. our comedy uh, contenders? Our comedy contenders, there's 14 of these as well. We have Mrs. Doubtfire, Liar Liar, yeah. Big Daddy, yeah. The Water Boy, Dr. Doolittle, Sister Act, The Nutty Professor, Dumb and Dumber, The Truman Show, The Birdcage, Wayne's World, The Mask, A League of Their Own, and Groundhog Day. All right, no, you get to pick first on this one. What are you thinking here? I So this is, uh, let me look up to see what I am thinking. All right, I am correct. I... 
this I think is overall a a no brainer for me. For At for the, the for the number one, you mean? Yeah, for the okay. number one, a a combination of hugely successful and hugely important to the nineties, uh, with a enduring legacy to this day, has got to be Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Gross two hundred and nineteen million dollars. It's almost four hundred million in today's it, money. It is. Yeah. It's a fifty three on Metacritic, which is a Yeah, it got mixed reviews. Mixed reviews. Uh <laughs> The number two film in 1993, uh, uh, and this is that it won an Academy Award. Uh, makeup. Okay, yeah, yep. uh, won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, what is what is there to say about Mrs. Doubtfire? It's a, I, I think today universally beloved movie. Yeah, uh, and also the highest grosser here. So what are you what are you going to do? It's among Robin Williams' uh, most iconic roles. Um, for my number one pick, I think I'm going right down the line uh, with you. I think I'm going to go with Liar Liar. Let's go with Jim Carrey's highest grossing of the decade. Uh, one of his best, certainly I think his funniest of the decade. Um, and, uh, uh, 181 million domestic in 1997, 70 on Metacritic, which is a huge number for a Jim, for just a Jim Carrey comedy. Number four film in 97. It was his biggest hit in the nineties and almost $300 million, uh, adjusted for inflation. So. Liar, yeah. liar is my pick. Uh, I think you can't you can't go wrong representing Jim Carrey in the 1990s. I uh, I think it's also true that you cannot go wrong representing Adam Sandler in the 1990s. Yeah. I uh, and between the two, uh, I'm going. Uh, if okay, in my I, opinion, I, I I think I think that's right as well. I'm drafting Big Daddy. Oh, thank God. Which would have been my number two uh, overall here, shortly I mean, followed by Liar Liar. It is uh, your number two, so that's great. Yeah, uh, very very happy with this so far. Big Daddy made one hundred and sixty three million dollars. Uh, you know, it's it's tough with Sandler because his like his biggest legacy movies are not his biggest draws. We talked about this a little bit uh, with the I've forgotten what it's called, Prison Football. Gridiron oh, Gang? The, lo- no. the, long- the longest, longest yard. The longest yard this, is Gridiron Gang. I believe one. this may have, this grossed more than the longest yard, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, you know, equivalent to $256 million today. It's not a great Metacritic, but I think it's a, uh, I think looking back on it, it's still a well regarded Sandler movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, it's no Happy Gilmore, it's no Billy Madison, but it's, it happened because of those movies. Sure. Uh, and this is, and Sandler Sandler cannot be uh, cannot be left aside just as Jim Carrey and Robin Williams could not. All right, so I wanted to go a little further down the list for my number two, and I'm picking uh, once again a personal favorite, but still very important film. I'm going with 1996's The Birdcage, Noah. Yes, 124 million dollars for an R-rated comedy uh, focusing on LGBTQ. People, 72 on Metacritic, it's still, I believe, Noah, the highest grossing LGBTQ film in history. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, one Oscar nomination for production design, should have had several more, but that production design is actually a really good nomination, don't you think? For like oh, a movie yeah, that absolutely. probably wouldn't have gotten nominated, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a it's a, def- it's a uh, very important part of the movie. It's a good and, call. and adjusted for inflation, it's bigger than the highest grossing film of last year, Bad Boys for Life. So uh, just a huge break into the mainstream um, it led to several other uh, uh, queer comedies like um, 
in and out is the one I can think of. Um, and, uh, uh, did a lot for, uh, that kind of representation. And it's also just one of my favorite films of all time. And, uh, and a huge grosser. I mean, that's a huge gross. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I knew there was, there was absolutely no way the birdcage was uh, not going to end up in our nah. final eight. Nah. Uh, I had it ranked as well, a little lower because of the, because uh, of the overall gross, but, uh, I'm perfectly happy with it there. Uh, I, for my next pick, am going to double dip on stars as well. Uh, the birdcage being our second Robin Williams. I'm going with our second Jim Carrey uh, and selecting Dumb and Dumber. Oh, boy. I thought you were going to say another one and I was going to be off the hook. Okay, great. <laughs> you think I, you think I was going for the mask? No. <laughs> Shit. Oh, God. Oh, oh, sure. There's a lot yeah. of Jim Carrey in here. There's uh, a lot of Jim Carrey in here, yeah. Dumb and Dumber is a movie that, not even that I have a uh, a particularly huge relationship to, uh, but it's one that I just kind of understand the broader group of people in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just, it's like, I, to me it is the answer for what is like the most beloved comedy of the nineties. If I had, really? a group, if I had a group of a hundred people, I asked them like, what's your, what's your favorite comedy from the nineties? What's your favorite Jim Carrey movie? I, I, I might bet on dumb and dumber to be the most common answer. I, and it's whether or not that's true. I don't know. We haven't done our own family feud style poll, but it's how it's how I think of it. And if if a movie, well, it's hard finding a hundred people uh, during a pandemic. Yes, to uh, too, so they all they all ran screaming from me. Uh, it's no uh, you know no slouch box office wise. It's hundred and twenty seven million would have been two twenty four today. It's more than Wally. You remember Wally? Huge I love Wally. Hit. Everyone love loves Wally. Wally. It, Dumb and Dumber. It, uh, Dumb and Dumber capped off. Um, you know what I mean? It kept off uh, Jim Carrey's breakout uh, year, which yeah. started with Ace Ventura, and then The Mask, and then Dumb and Dumber. Um, for I, this is my number three, right? Okay. Uh, yes, this will be your third. Pick I, 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 I really hate to to to. I feel like we're getting boxed in uh, with certain actors, but I really hate to do it, but I'm going to anyway um, because it's just a fantastic movie and uh, should have earned its star and Oscar nomination. I'm going with 1998's The Truman Show, Noah. All right. I think I... that it deserves a spot on this list. It's it's arguably his best film of the 90s, possibly the best film he's ever made, So certainly as far as comedies go. Peter Weir directs the fuck out of it. Uh, it landed him a Golden Globe win, Jim Carrey, and he was snubbed for an Oscar, which is still uh, egregious. Uh, 90 on Metacritic, Noah. For Jim Carrey film, 90 on Metacritic. Yeah, 125 million gross, uh, just over 200 million adjusted for inflation. Three Oscar nominations. Can you imagine? It got nominated for director, original screenplay, and Ed Harris for supporting actor, and no Truman himself. That's especially especially just at the height of Jim Carrey mania. The the first time that he blended that kind of drama and comedy, and just everyone agreed. Oh yeah, that's that's it. He knocked it out of the yeah. park. And then I was I was trying to think of like what that might be the equivalent of today, but there's just you can't be done. There's no there's no such thing as a comedy star. No, 
that, that regarded in the same way as Jim Carrey was in 1998 today. Right. It would be like if like a few years ago, if uh, Stranger Than Fiction made more money uh-huh. and was just slightly more well-regarded because he's yeah. Stranger Than Fiction's great and Will Ferrell is good in it. But if that was like his big Oscar play and it made a lot of money and we we're like, well, this is the time. Sure. It's 2008. You yeah. Know, four I, I, years, I, I, four years I after. Right. Yeah. yeah. Stranger than fiction, a little more successful, a little better. Yeah. And, and then still nothing. Yeah. Big, big Easter egg, big goose egg, I guess is a zero. Um, all right. You're your last pick Noah. All right. Uh, what are we representing? What's, what's nineties here? What defines so this is a, a, this is actually another fairly easy pick for me. My, just my big board has shaken out really well here. I, I still have my uh, my number five overall pick available. I uh, so I am going with my final selection here, uh, the Nutty Professor. Oh, terrific! I was debating between that and another thing. Now I know yes. what to do. Uh, Eddie Murphy, his comeback. Uh, you wanna, yeah, you want to talk about uh, big comedy stars in the nineties? I mean, he wasn't obviously exclusively in the 90s, but he was still a big comedy star in the 90s. He had a lot of flops up until this, and then this shot him back into, uh, yeah, the mainstream. And uh, and Dr. Doolittle sitting there, too. Dr. Doolittle, and then the Nutty Uh, Professor 2, the Clumps in 99, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, $129 million uh, in today's money would have outgrossed Venom. 62 on Metacritic's perfectly fine. Whatever. It doesn't matter what the Nutty Professor's Metacritic score was. Uh, would it shock you to learn that I've never seen the Nutty Professor? No, I don't think that shocks me. No, I think that's right. Uh, but Eddie Murphy, uh, not not quite like Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler. If this was what's in the box office, uh, 80s Orama, oh, Eddie Murphy would be locked down. On, yeah. the, uh, on the Jim Carrey level. Yeah. Uh, but still, I don't think I uh, can go unrecognized here. So I sure. go with the Nutty Professor. All right. No, I'm debating between like four movies here, man. I really. Uh... Sure. There's still a. There's still some nice, uh, some nice high. You know, I'm debating whether it's the one I think is probably like the best or just like a fan favorite. I'm debating yeah. the one that like is the most successful of its type. And I'm debating the one that people don't really like, but was an enormous success. What do you think? I, and I guess it's still regarded by people who saw it as a kid and stuff, but I think it's particularly tough because the two best remaining movies are the two lowest grossing. Right. Except Uh, for one of, there's a few, a couple up that's really, really good, but yes, the, 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 I I agree. And I, the last, I'm not really not considering Groundhog Day. Unfortunately, I just, I don't think the gross is there. It's too little money. If Groundhog Day cleared, like made it to a hundred million dollars. Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. If Groundhog Day makes it a hundred. Sure. Because I think it's the best movie left. Yeah, I agree. I'm bouncing between a league of their own, which I think is a, a cult hit. It's got a, a line that is endearing, but I don't know if its legacy is there. I'm Sister Act, which was an enormous success, and and uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who was a huge star, uh, yeah. gave her um, a huge starring vehicle. Uh, and then Wayne's World, which is the most successful uh, um, uh, SNL film in history, 
launched uh, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy launched Mike Myers's big screen career, which we know, you know, led to other franchises and, sure. and is really, really good and really holds up. I just watched for the first time uh, six months ago or so. So I'm really debating here. I mean, I don't know. I can't, uh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to sway you. Yeah. I did try though. I mean, it's helpful. Yeah. I, th- I, when I, when I think back on the comedy stars of the nineties, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think it's tough to leave Mike Myers on the board. He, he is, like he is an option in another, uh, um, genre, which I do think he's going to, his movie will be picked. I think, oh, I think, yeah. I think the spy who shagged me is going to be picked in hundred percent. That's a good point. Yeah. I, Whereas I don't think Gina Davis or else, not that she's a huge star, but no. uh, Whoopi's uh, Oscar winning role in ghost has already been picked. Yeah. I, uh, and you know, when you look at, when you look at the grosses, like sister acts, a buck 39 league of their own's 107 same year. Like that's not, that's not that far off. No, that it's, uh, I just don't think like sister act is going to be quality wise. Good enough to be picked. I think it was a huge success. But if we're playing the long game, you know, sure. Whoopi Goldberg is obviously still in the mainstream. She hosts The View. She's still very well beloved. But the fi- and they're doing a reboot on Disney Plus. But the film itself, I don't is not wasn't well reviewed back then, and I don't think would hold up as well. I know Wayne's World does. I bet A League of Their Own does. Amazon, Abby Jacobson co-created and starring in a League of Their Own show with Darcy Carden that'll be premiering soon. Um. And then Wayne's World is just way. I mean, they they just did those commercials. So I, I, Wayne's World is really good. I just didn't made more money. It didn't make. You know what? I I'm I'm gonna go with League of Their Own. Going League of Their Own. I am. I, I I think a female ensemble is important to have to show the variety of the decade. And uh, I mean, there's no crying in baseball. And it's just sure. really really good. Madonna, I mean, Rosie O'Donnell, Piper Laurie. I, I think, you know, when you're talking about the broader legacy or just the legacy of a movie, I guess, having like a a true honest to God, like all time great quote. Yeah. Like that matters. That's something. Yeah. A, a League of Their Own lives on because uh, as much as it does, because there's no crime. And it anymore. is 90% his delivery. His whiny oh, sure. Tom yeah. Hanks voice is just incredible. Um. All right, we got him. No, what are the matchups? Uh, we've got Mrs. Doubtfire taking on a league of their own. Liar, liar, going up against the Nutty Professor. Mm. Big Daddy versus the Truman Show, mm. and the Birdcage against Dumb and Dumber. Oh. That's that, that a, last one's going to be very interesting. It is. Yeah. How? Uh, how far can how good the birdcage is carry it in this tournament? It has a legacy behind it, Noah. It is still it the highest grossing it's, queer film. It's also, you know, it it grossed three million dollars fewer than Dumb and Dumber. That's a great point as well. So it's you know, it's yeah, it's not a it's not a it's in the conversation. Yeah. But you know. And it was Jim Carrey's third film. How much did it actually launch him? You know what I mean? It's yeah, you know. Um sure. all right, let's move on to horror. Uh let's get spooky. All right. Um, we have twelve films uh, in yes, this category. Noah, go ahead. We'll, we'll run them down. What are we choosing for? Our, uh, 
Our 12 horror films, uh, The Sixth Sense, The Blair Witch Project, The Silence of the Lambs, Interview with a Vampire, Scream, Scream 2, Sleepy Hollow, Seven, The Haunting, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and Misery. Yes, and it is Interview with the Vampire. No, not a yes. vampire. Uh, all right, you, you, you get first. I think I said the very sloppily. Oh, okay, gotcha. That is correct. Who gets your first pick here? Okay. This is a this is a little tough, mm-hmm. but not super tough. Uh, obviously, it's between the top two here for me, uh, and I I don't know that I'll have enough to say, or I don't know that I'll be able to say enough rather about the legacy of the Blair Witch Project when uh-huh. we get there. I think it has one of the biggest in movies but the sixth sense made too much money for it to not go number one it just it did did make an obscene amount of money it's cuckoo bananas why don't you run down that uh the sixth sense grossed 293 million dollars in 1999 which just for inflation is more than avengers age of ultron yeah which is, uh, you know, the the least beloved, but still, it's an Avengers movie, for God's sake. And The Sixth Sense made more money than that. It's 64 on Metacritic, which is pretty surprisingly low, uh, considering how big a deal it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the number two film in 1999, highest grossing horror film of all time. Is that to this day? Yeah, I believe so. Uh... No, it it made over three hundred, but that was at the okay. time it was at the time. Yeah, the highest grossing and uh, six Academy Award nominations, uh, including picture, best director, picture, best director, boom, screenplay, boom, boom. The supporting actor, supporting actress, uh, and it's just I mean, yeah, two hundred ninety three million dollars. That's that's more than also also we mentioned it just a moment ago. The line, yes, I see I dead, do, people. I dead people. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at you look at the Blair Witch Project. It made 140 million dollars. If you doubled that, it didn't. It still doesn't reach the six cents. <laughs> so it's got to be number one. And if you take a, take a look at those release dates, yes, we've got uh, August sixth for the Six Cents and July sixteenth for the Blair <laughs> About Witch. Three weeks apart, they were released. Was, uh, summer Summer '99, uh, truly one one of the greatest summers for horror movies, probably. Yeah, well, The Haunting, which is not a great horror movie, but also released July twenty third, nineteen ninety nine, a week after your, the Blair Witch. Is that your pick? That's what, well, I'm I'm actually subseding you, and I'm picking The Haunting has to be number one. You can have number two at six cents and just go twice. Uh, no, my, my my the pick is Blair Witch for me. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the one of the most successful independent films of all time. Launched the found footage thing. I mean, there's just a thousand things. We'll discuss it much more in the weeks to come. Yes. But what's uh, your uh, what, what's your number three? I uh, my number three is going to be, uh, again, I think a pretty easy choice here. I'm going with actually now that Sixth Sense and Blair Witch are both out of the way. My number three is the easiest choice so far. It is The Silence of the Lambs. OK, I yeah, fair, which is, you know, one best picture for God's sake. I uh, it grossed. $130 million in 1991, mm-hmm. which is more uh, just for inflation than the third Harry Potter movie. 
uh, in addition to Best Picture, you know, it got seven nominations. It won five awards. Uh, has one of the more iconic characters in yeah. movie history. I, I, I do just want to say the Adjust for Inflation, it's not technically probably more than The Prisoner of Azkaban because I adjusted the gross of The Sons of the Lambs from 91 to 2020 and then just took that to the all-time list. So it, it made as much in 2020 as Harry Potter made in 2004. That's It's, it's a little convoluted, but... Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. I mean, whether, whether or not it's it's an, yeah. it's not an exact science, but like it gets the point across. It's a lot of fucking money yeah, for the science of the Lambs yeah. in 1991. Yeah, uh, it was the best picture winner for the year we were born. Yeah, right. it was. Yeah, very important. Uh, my number two pick is Scream. I think it's going to do well in legacy and impact and all that kind of. Plus, it's really good. It's really great. So it is. Scream, you know, one hundred and three yeah. uh, be a one hundred and seventy two uh, adjusted, which is about John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum, which came out last year. So yeah, yeah, uh, it is a. Uh, it is it is important to note that Scream is actually quite good. Is uh, Scream then was Scream the fourth overall? Uh yes. Okay. Would have Don't been. you do it. Don't you do it. Okay. I I'll do I'll do what I do. I was just gonna say that Scream would have been my fourth overall. So okay, far, I think Ford is playing out. Playing out just as well. Don't yeah. do the bad thing for number Remember five. That? Don't do the bad. We can't, we can't have we can't have it that early. Of course we can. Okay, fine. Go ahead. We can't. Go ahead. Fine. It's on the list. Go ahead. It's on the list. I'm picking seven. Oh, that's not what I meant. Terrific. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want Scream and Scream Two to face each other in the first round of this thing. No. If no, it was four and five, they would go against each other. That's how the matchups work. Yeah. No, I know, but uh, right. but I'm not I'm picking Scream Two over seven. You kidding me? Oh, I would. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, there's def- there's definitely a there's definitely a case for it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and I think especially because like we kind of we kind of goose things a little bit to get seven into horror. I mean, it's horror oh. enough. You know, yeah. it's creepy. It's scary. I feel like any time, you know, like Gwyneth Paltrow is stalked and then her head gets cut off, put in a box. That's yeah. horror. I mean, seven it- is particularly gruesome that thing with the knife that like i don't need to get into as we no, all know certainly family. shouldn't get into that no uh, but the thing with the knife uh seven uh you you recently mentioned uh scream would have uh outgrossed john wick parabellum uh seven would have as well 172 million dollars uh would be uh the modern day number yeah it's just it's an incredibly good movie. I think, uh, you know, it's it's telling that it's not necessarily the best movie in this list, uh-huh. but it might be. I think uh, one of uh, one of David Fincher's uh, is this his first movie? No, it's not. No, he did. Alien, Alien yeah, Three, Alien Three. That's right. But a very early offering for David Fincher. You want to talk about the broader legacy? Yeah, a movie. Uh, Seven is uh, seven's right up there, and it's yeah, just incredible. You're right. It also nominated for uh, best editing at the Academy Awards, which is not nothing. Um, my number three pick and the number six overall is Scream Two. Uh, it, it holds a, it holds up just as well as Scream. It, there's a conversation that it's better than Scream, and that should keep it uh, on this uh, uh, chart. 101 
million uh, gross, 63 on Metacritic, just two down from screen, which is actually pretty remarkable that they're that close. Um, and uh, yeah, 165 just for inflation, Scream 2, no brainer. Yeah, this is uh, this is when it gets a little tricky. Yeah, because we have some movies that aren't very good or didn't gross an enormous amount. So yeah, yes, I uh, yeah, we've really exhausted all of the movies that I'm interested in. <laughs> except, about, I mean, except for the last one, which is a, a Groundhog Day scenario, where you're just like, I don't know, should it be? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's a. Uh, that that might be the best movie on this. I mean, well, that well, Sansa the Lamb's best movie on this list. That might be the second best movie on this list. Yeah, there's there's one movie left in the. Uh, no, I'm sorry. There's two movies left in the triple digits. Uh, yes. Interview with the Vampire and Sleepy Hollow. Yes, and so it is tough for me, but not that tough because I am picking Misery here. Wow. Okay. Uh, Great. I don't. I don't have to pick Sleepy Hollow. Terrific. No, and it's a. Uh, this is this is just a case of like I really like misery. It's not it's, it's on this list account. Awesome. It made six, sixty one million dollars, but it made that in nineteen ninety. That's uh, it as much as super bad. Yeah, it's the modern equivalent of one hundred and twenty two. Yeah, uh, it won best actress for Kathy Bates. Hell yeah, it did. it's a uh, it's an iconic performance. It's an iconic scene. Yeah, which will go. come up uh, come up later. It's not quite Seven's knife, but it's pretty fucking upsetting. Uh, well, we actually get to see it, so yeah, so it be worse than Seven's Knife. It yeah. certainly might be. I, uh, but yeah, I go, uh, I go, I go. Misery here, gross, uh, you know, gross. Be damned. I don't have a problem with Sleepy Hollow. I just watched it for the first time a few months ago, and I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. It might be my favorite of like the super stylized version of Tim Burton. Like I liked that it, I liked that tone that he kept throughout the whole thing. But okay. I don't know. I feel like we're a little over Johnny Depp and let's not keep him in this competition if we don't need to. So that Bram Stoker's Dracula is just okay. The haunting isn't good. I know we did last summer's a lot of fun, but like, let's get real. It's interview with the vampire, two major stars, the Kirsten Dunst kiss, her first kiss, Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. I really don't remember which. And she kind of kisses both of them. Um, <laughs> She gets around. I'm pretty sure it's Brad Pitt. I, I actually I think it's Brad Pitt. I read this book for the first time this summer and then watched the movie. Uh, two Oscar nominations, 105 million dollars. I think it was the highest grossing opening weekend for an R-rated film. So there's some stuff there. And uh, Neil Jordan coming off of uh, the Crying Game directing it. So um, yeah, Interview with the Vampire. All right, we've got our uh, we've got our horror lineup. I believe. Uh... Yeah, that was my uh, that was my big board uh, to a T. There you go. So well done, us. Our uh, our matchups in this round. We've got the Sixth Sense taking on interview with the vampire. There's only one, and we're interviewing him. Uh, the Blair Witch Project going up against Misery. Oh, this is a uh, a rough uh, a rough drop. Misery. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. miserable for you. The top of the top of the horror. Any Wilkes is going to have a thing to two to say about that. Uh, the Silence of the Lambs takes on Scream Two. And, That's gonna be real fun to talk about. Yeah, and I think the uh, probably the most interesting matchup here is Scream versus Seven. Seven, yeah, sure. Lots both of have, both have <laughs> kind of equally high points in different categories here. It's a multi-category system. All right, our final uh, genre of this draft are franchise starters, the movies that started it all in relation to these franchises. Yes. 
Um, I uh, go ahead. No, what what are the the nominees? I guess. All right. Yes, our uh, our contenders here. We have uh, we're back to fourteen. We've got Jurassic Park, Home Alone, Men in Black, Toy Story, Mission Impossible, The Matrix, The Mummy, The Santa Claus, Rush Hour. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Hunt for Red October, American Pie, Jumanji, and Bad Boys. Yeah. A lot to choose from. I get to pick first. Yes, you do. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's number one for a reason. Jurassic Park. Yes, Jurassic Park is the choice here. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just so much more money than everything else. $357 million? Yeah. In 19... 19- the 90. number one film of 1993, the number one film of all time. It, it broke uh, E.T.'s record, took it away from Spielberg, handed it to Spielberg. Three Oscars. Uh, I mean, what, what is that? Say? Six, 644 adjusted for inflation? Yes. Crazy. And that's without the re-releases. The, all these adjusted for inflation are without the re-releases, which would, you know, this was a re-release in 3D. It made some money. So, um, yeah. Right. Huge. And it's just it's just an incredibly good movie. Like Jurassic Park lives. It's kind of shocking how stacked this top half is. Yeah. Bottom. Yeah. No, I think this. Uh, no offense to Jumanji and uh, the Santa Claus, but uh, good lord. I think I think when I think when all is said and done, the eight movies picked here is going to be a is just going to be a murderer's row. It's yeah, it's going to be real crazy. Noah, what's what's your first pick? I, so my first pick, I have to go, uh, I am foregoing the next immediate huge Shit. grocers. Oh, do it though. <laughs> no, I, uh, cause instead I'm picking the matrix. Oh, terrific. Mine's still in play, which, uh, yeah. See, that's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're reaching for. I might, I might know what you're reaching for, uh, You'll know what I'm but the Matrix, you know, it's just just on the tail end, 1999 of the decade. We talked yeah. about the sequels uh, a good deal in our uh, Multiplex Madness 2000 tournament. But it's just kind of a singularly culturally defining movie. The, Ma- the Matrix, uh, you know, doesn't have doesn't have the numbers of a Home Alone or a Men in Black made $171 million, which is still, you know, again, as always, quite a bit of money would have uh, outgrossed the winter soldier today. Uh, but when I, when I think of the nineties, the matrix is like, it's just a huge part of it. It's, it's front and center in my mind. I cannot, I cannot not pick it. Uh, my number two pick is toy story. Yeah. That's what you thought I was going to take. Yeah, once I once I once I thought about it, like I I couldn't be sure, but I was pretty sure it was gonna be first. I mean, 191, uh, 95 on Metacritic, number one film of 1995, four Oscar nominations, including original screenplay, and it actually won a special achievement award. They just gave it an Oscar. That's how huge and influential it was. Doesn't that doesn't really happen? It doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, and it its legacy speaks for itself. We could get into it later, but I, Toy Story is easily my number two. Oh yeah. Uh, which leaves, uh, for me, uh, my, I believe, uh, looking at my big board here. Yeah. Would have, would have been my number three overall, uh, mm. men in black, which, mm. you know, this, this draft is of, uh, of little consequence, uh, in terms of who gets what movies, but I'm very happy to get men in black 
we just did, uh, as you all know, of course, a whole uh, a whole long deep dive into the career of Will Smith. Uh, I've always loved Men in Black. I watched it many, many times as a child. Uh, and I think my the my favorite thing coming away from the examination of Will Smith's career is to learn that Men in Black is actually just a really great movie. Yeah. Uh, it just, won just, five willies, Noah. Picture, yeah. director, non-Will Smith actor, supporting actor, and song. And it should have. And on top of that, $250 million. That's right. Which is, uh, you know, 408 today would outgross Civil War. Uh, it was the number two film in 1997. It was the uh, second biggest uh, con- comic adaptation of all time at the time. Three Oscar nominations, one win. Uh, it's it's combination of the being the third highest grossing movie on this list and being uh, just as good as it is. I, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to get Men in Black on my not existing. Yeah, um, my next pick is one that I just feel like has to come now, and it is uh, Home Alone. Yes. I just think that we've, we've been holding out on Home Alone for too long. It's not even that bad of a movie. I just rewatched it over the break. Uh, $285 million in 1990. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that would that's... be 507. Can you imagine $572 million for a fucking Home for, Alone today? Yeah. Like a fucking Jacob Tremblay starring Home Alone. <laughs> Makes like, you know, it's more than the Dark Knight. That was a... Wild. Yeah, that that would have been my number five pick for that exact reason. Like number I don't, one live I don't action care for Home Alone, but it just of all time, uh, which it was the record it had back then. Two Oscar nominations, Home Alone, easy done. Yeah. What about you? I uh, so this one's this yeah, one's a little tough, tough for me. Really I mean, tough. I think I've still got I've still got two picks left. I uh, so I don't I don't have to get two in the weeds here. The only thing holding me back is that like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking at mission impossible as my pick. It's the highest grossing movie left. And the franchise sustains to this day. It's been, and we've already knocked out like three Tom Cruise films. Yes. Uh, The only thing that's given me a little hesitation, which one uh, is just that mission impossible is not a nineties franchise. A, I mean, that's true, but we said that about, uh, didn't we say that about Mission Impossible for Multiplex Madness? And then we were, were like, we, we regretted not actually having it on the list. No, I, I, think, I think we just didn't really consider Mission there Impossible. Was, the there was original. one franchise where we said it's not really that um, decades franchise. So let's not pick it. I forgot what it was now, but yeah, I, but I, I ultimately don't. I don't really care in this drafting process because it started a huge franchise that like took a little while because mission impossible is a 2010s franchise. Uh, and yeah, it's, go- it's go- going into the 2020s. Uh, but the first mission impossible is really good. I like it a lot. Made $181 million in 1996. Uh, as you said, Tom Cruise uh, just can't really, be overrepresented in this tournament i don't think uh so far he's been under yeah and so i'm uh, i'm not i'm not gonna overthink it mission impossible is my uh, is my pick 
All right, so no, I have a dilemma here, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the number one independent. It was an independent film. Did you know that? I did not know that. Highest grossing independent film in history. Uh, the Santa Claus was a huge hit. I mean, just look at that adjusted for inflation number. Yeah. But it's between two movies for me. It's between The Mummy, which I really want to pick and which helped launch the summer movie season. And uh, and it's just a, a ripe entertainment, right? Uh-huh. And Rush Hour, which brought Jackie Chan to mainstream American success. And I think there's a lot to say for that. Yeah. I, hmm. What to say to you right now? Which I, one of those is still on your board? Any of them? Or have we picked your board? Well, I, we've only picked six movies, so there's two left oh, on my you board. You have your last one. Interesting. Are you? Were you lo- leaning toward either one of these? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that they're the last two movies left on my board. I think so you're absolutely I, right that The Mummy and Rush Hour are the last two choices. So whatever I pick, you'll probably pick the other one. I will, yes. All right, then I'm going to go with the one that I think I would like more than you. So you could pick the one I think you'd like more, and I'm going to pick Rush Hour. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Rush Hour, what is that, $141 million? $41 million. Which is Logan, and again, I don't think enough can be said that it, it, it introduced and brought mainstream American success to Jackie Chan, which is huge. Yeah. It was a huge influence in the next decade. And so I think that this is – uh, really important. And he made some of his best movies in the nineties. So this is kind of an all encompassing Jackie Chan tribute. Yeah. You also just, you know, relatively speaking, uh, that's a very important factor. That's actually, uh, I misspoke earlier when I said uh, we were splitting legacy into two categories. What I meant is that one of the categories is when did Brian buy the DVD? Interesting. So, uh, let's- so I hope you have all that data. Because we will be turning to it soon. Oh, I, I also think it's it's just important that like you know there's not a lot of comedy franchises. That's you know, true. One, you know, American Pie is still on this list, and uh, Bad Boys is you know comedy. Yeah bad, comedy. yeah, bad Boys is like action comedy in equal. equal I mean, measures. Men in Black is more of a comedy than Bad Boys. Yes, that's yeah. true. I. So yeah, I, th- I think just Rush Hour is very important, and that does leave The Mummy as my last pick. There you go. Uh, which is another tough one, because you know, in terms of the franchise it started, yeah, like The Mummy 2 is pretty good. Oh, I really like The Mummy Returns. Uh, it's still the highest grossing. came out in 2001, and then the other one was 2008, I believe, the third one. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, Mummy 3 sucks. Does it suck, or is it just not like I related. I don't remember. Sucks. I don't uh, I'm sure, yeah. And I'm sure Scorpion King sucks. Yeah. Uh, so like the in Tom in terms Cruise of the sucks. Yeah. In terms of the franchise, it was all downhill from here and how good it was. I I'm, uh, I'm a big stand for returns though. I am. That's, but but would would you agree that it does not hold a candle to the mummy? When I was a when I was in my youth, I liked two better than one because it was lighter and it was more funny, and the first one was scarier. And so when I was a teenager, you know, when I was twelve and what's not a teenager, but twelve and thirteen, I was like, oh yeah, I like the one that's not scary. Uh, I feel like if I rewatched them, the mummy would be better. Yes, I haven't done that assessment, but I would agree. It, yes, but for the longest time, no. Sure. I, uh, but the mummy, I just think is incredible. I I love that movie so much. Brendan Fraser in the mummy 
is an incredible performance. Huge racial vice guy. Uh, love, love, love to see her as like a, a co-lead and, and it's just, it's just like, it's a, it's a perfect like action adventure kind of horror sort of movie. I look at the 48 on Metacritic here and I scoff. Yeah, I say, I say Pasha to all of you. Matrix uh, has a 63, which like is fine with me, but yes. Yeah. Jurassic Park has a 68. No. Yeah. It's critics are bad is the point. I, I'm sorry. I just, I also noticed while we're talking about uh, Metacritic scores, Jumanji is a 39. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they like too much. Get out of here. Yeah, what are you talking? Like we didn't consider you, but you want to talk about franchises that don't belong to the nineties. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the mummy, I just I I love it, and it's on the list. And All that's, right, that's that. What are the matchups for that then? So our matchups: uh, Jurassic Park will be taking on the mummy. That's going to be a tough hill to climb, Jurassic Park. But what are you going to do? The mummy's in the top eight, and that's good. Uh, the Matrix will be up against Rush Hour. Mm-hmm. Toy Story goes up against Mission Impossible, which I think is going to be a very interesting matchup. Uh, yeah. Talk talk about the legacy of those two movies, uh, and then we see Men in Black take on Home Alone. Wow! Wow! Men in Black and Home Just Alone, the, the second and third highest grocers, right, right up against each other right away. Wow! All right, there we have it. We have half of our tournament done. Uh, next week we'll have the the final uh, half of the draft. Yes. All right, moving on. Um, our spotlight. Well, the Golden Globes just had their 78th uh, awards last week. And so since we recorded this uh, after that, we recorded whatever. It doesn't matter. We're talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, I watched this live. Noah caught up to it. So did you watch like every bit of it or did you skip around at all? No, I watched I watched every bit. If it had, If it had been like more thoroughly segmented between movies and TV, I would have just watched the movie stuff. There. But I didn't really know how to do it, and it was only two hours, so I said, "Fuck it," and watch the whole thing. You know, they they clearly ran, and it, it's also what saves time is the the Zoom stuff because people don't have to get up and sure. walk to the podium and then speak and then leave and then the host comes back. You know what I mean? So that saves time. And so by the end of it, they did like actress commercial, actor commercial, picture commercial, and I tweeted, I was like. Everyone wants this to end. I, I think I said, like, you have such a rare opportunity. Like, I, I'm going to find what I said because I, I just can I, – I, not to say it was a good tweet. It probably wasn't, but I just worded it more succinctly. Um, what I said was uh, the Golden Globes doing one award and then going over to a commercial over and over again – uh, because the show is running short is some bullshit. Just ended early. Everyone would be thrilled. Wouldn't it be nice if one aspect of your organization thrilled people this week? Yeah. And it's true. Just ended early. No one needs it to go exactly to 10 o'clock. So yeah. that was crazy. But um, people, you know, it, it's all learning curve, right? I don't I, I don't harp on the show as much for technical, well, technical difficulties, maybe, because we've had at least two award shows, maybe one. Sure. Just one. Uh, the Emmys did it pretty well though. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's all learning curve. I think we can give people a pass for, you know, just like, Oh, it was awkward when this happened and whatnot. But what did you think overall? How do you think they handled everything? Um, I think this, I think this format more than anything did the golden globes a real disservice. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know if disservice is the right word because 
maybe they deserve the service they got. Uh, the only thing the Golden Globes have going for them is that they are presented on a similar playing field as the Oscars. There's no, there's no reason to take them seriously. You know, we've all, we've all been over this uh, many times. The Golden Globes is a ridiculous award show run by a shadowy organization that doesn't have any real reason to have say in anything, but they get like a primetime slot and all the celebrities show up because they get them drunk and the gifts are exchanged and stuff. And so it looks like a big deal. And it is, it's our, it's the second biggest movie award show. Whereas like, you know, the, the SAG awards don't get as big of a TV show, the uh, independent spirits, uh, they're all on a much lower playing field. Right. So when you take away that veneer from the Golden Globes, I think it really it really highlights that it's just kind of silly, ridiculous. Uh, I think everyone and ev- pretty much everyone involved was just like couldn't couldn't care less. There were there were a f- there were still a few good winners. You know, the uh, Andra Day gave a good uh was yeah. like very excited to win the supporting actress from the crown. Uh, uh, Emma something who played Diana. Yeah. Yeah. I think was the first one to just be like excited, but I think more than, more than ever before every award winner was like, ah, yes, thank you. Right. Uh, like the end. Uh, and so it just, it felt, it felt not, it felt not good. I still, I still, and like, I always enjoy, the uh, the Cecil B. DeMille Awards and the uh, the newer Carol Burnett Award. Yes, I agree. I kind of think the show should just be that. I think the Golden <laughs> Globes should be like may, give them give them an hour, spend spend a half hour on each, and you know do a do a longer uh, a longer montage, a longer clip show, maybe a couple of uh, a couple of more involved talking heads about why like Norman Lear is really cool. Right. And then cap it off with Norman Lear's speech and then do the next one. And then you're done because your, your show does those things well and you pick good people for them. And like, I like watching it, but the rest of it, like, I, I don't know. I, it was, it's maybe we can, this can just be the reason the golden globes die and are replaced by something else. Yeah, I mean the organization's bullshit. It's also fun because it does at the moment in the moment feel like a party. People are looser, people are drinking and 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 that gets lost here. What I what I, the one bit of innovation that they had, and I think the Emmys did it. I know you didn't watch the Emmys, but I think they did it really well um as far as, you know, having awards outside various homes and and whatnot. But what what this was interesting was when they would go to commercial, they would show all the nominees in their Zoom rooms. And it seemed like someone was encouraging them to talk to each other. So you would hear someone go, Hey, how's it going? But I was like, Oh, there should be just more of that. Like I, like, you know what I mean? Like I should be able to go to a website and watch like the best actor zoom room and watch, you know what I mean? And like 10 minutes before they all hop on before their categories announced and just hear them talking to each other or, or they should, the people should monitor that and then take clips that are interesting and then show them on the way to commercial. But like, that was interesting. Just these, these celebrities just in, in the same room, but just being like, hey, how's it going? This is weird, isn't it? Hey, I really liked your thing. Like complimenting each other. Cause if 
that's what they would do at the Golden Globes in between commercials is go up and say, I really loved you. And that's how you get like pictures of like, you know, Caitlin Deaver meeting um, uh, Olivia Coleman. Right. They don't know each other, but you get to see them and presumably them saying, I love the crown. I loved Booksmart. I watch it, but you watch Booksmart. That's like that kind of thing. That's what you want to see is like the idea that, you know, like Jane Fonda mentioning all these movies, like you want Jane Fonda, a clip of her going up to like uh, Steve McQueen and being like, I love small acts. Like, holy shit, Jane Fonda watched small acts. That's cool. I I want to, I want, I want to cut in briefly and say that that was, that was, I think the high point of the night. Hmm. was just was jane fonda being like look at all these movies that came out this year that were really good oh yeah all all featuring minorities yeah for sure yeah and that that's true and that 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 also made it good but just the just the fact that like we're show we're connecting jane fonda and really jane fonda is connecting herself to today like so so often uh the the speeches by the you know the legends up there like you don't, you get a sense of like, you know, in in my day, things were good. And that's what I'm here to talk about. And I don't blame them because that is what they heard. We're, ta- we're here to talk about how Norman Lear was really cool back in the day. Uh, but you don't, you just, you don't always get the sense that it's like the same, that it's the same thing. It feels like they're talking about something else. And so Jane Fonda coming up there and being like, I'm a, I'm a legend in the movie industry. Thank you very much. And all of the movies that we're here to talk about tonight are also really cool. And I like them. I uh, just felt, felt very like fresh and interesting to me in a way that surprised me a lot. I never th- like thought about that before, but it was a really, it was really interesting to connect her to the rest of the show. Um, really. What did you think of the monologue? Not good. You didn't like him. I liked some of the stuff, but yeah, I, some of the, certainly better than Ricky's last year. Some of the jokes landed. I mean, they're, they're just talented performers. You, you did miss them feeding off of the energy with the crowd. There's moments where if you watch the other monologues, where when they call out a celebrity, they can cut to the celebrity and then they make a joke. And then like Amy will have a follow up with that celebrity. Like there's one where they, they mention Tom Hanks and then he like smiles and they go, ah, look at that. And that kind of thing. That's a lot of fun. Um, I get them trying to do like the, the two different locations. I thought the arm thing was fine. Um, there were some jokes. I, I liked her saying Tina Fey saying the queen's gambit is whatever James Corn was up to in the prom. I guess the prom came out at the perfect time because this year, so many teenagers didn't get to go to their prom so they can watch James Corn and Mill Street go to it instead. That's still fun. Right guys. I like that. Uh, I told you about the, um, I called you about that other joke that I liked. Oh, the, the cat one. Uh, soul yeah. is a beautiful Pixar animated movie where a middle-aged black man's soul accidentally gets knocked out of his body and into a cat. The HFPA really responded to this because they do have five cat members. I think yeah, that landed. Well, these are these are all these are all these are all fine jokes, but I don't I don't think there was one that made me like certainly that made me like laugh a lot, but even that made me go like, oh, that's a really good joke. Oh, I'm yeah. You know what? You know what? My actual favorite was. I'm sorry. Let's be the last one I say. Is the Emily in Paris is nominated for best TV series, musical or comedy, and I for one cannot wait to find out which one it is. That sure. that one I did like. Um, but you know, I think they did their best. I really liked the uh, just because it was some kind of uh, energy. Um, the Keenan Thompson and my Rudolph thing, which I think is a thing that you hated. Yeah. Well, that was that I hated because it was just so 
clearly like a complete boilerplate uh, modern day awards skit. Sure. Where they're just like, we wrote, we wrote the song for fucking small axe. So what's the song? Small axe, small axe. And I'm like, okay, great. No, yeah, the- <laughs> zero thought was put into this joke. And what, what are we doing? You're both, you're both more interesting than this. Uh, the first responders bit I thought was cute in some parts. I thought like the um, the Andrew Randall's one really worked. Um, the Lynn Manuel one didn't, and uh-huh. so th- those were hit and miss for the most part. Um, but uh, I, what other did they have any other like segments that they did, or am I just was, was that Barb uh, and Star were there? You got I was going to mention that. I mean, just just a delight. Had the biggest smile on my face. Could I, I just watched Barb and Star go to visit Elmar, and I mean, they really nailed that perfectly. Like them choosing to them for them to be excited about all those garbage souvenir stores on Hollywood sure. Boulevard is a great gag. Well, and then just that didn't feel like something that I've seen in like five other award sure. shows. And then just having all those different trophies that you could buy for like no yeah. reason. Yeah, and then I loved him. I, I got a. A figurine in Tasmanian Devil. Ooh, he has a good body. I've noticed that kind of thing is great. And I'm just saying, he's bad. He's trouble. And then he goes, I have a novel sized dollar bill with Darth Vader. Yes, now he is trouble. Yes, he's I'm like, I thought that was, yeah, I mean, they're great. And they, you know, it's one of those things where like, uh, and it's usually has to do with Kristen Wig, but she'll come out and present in a weird thing with somebody else by Rudolph, for example. And then all the Twitter conversation will be, they need to host the Oscars. Like, no, they don't. Yeah, like no. that. Those sticks work for surprising us with a presentation. Yes, and that way, when when you know for the Oscars, when my Rudolph and and uh, Kristen Wiig come out, we're excited because oh, good, this is the five minutes we get of this shtick. That's great, yeah. and I, I wouldn't I go big and loud for a second, and then they're and done. we all like it, and then and then they're done, and it's enough. It's enough of that. You can't hold that kind of energy uh, for that long. Um, Let's let, let's get to some of the awards, um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like read the acting the of uh, John Boy. Apparently, Small Axe is considered a TV show, or yeah, miniseries but- or television film. So John Boyega getting a Golden Globe was great. Really like sure. that. Um, I thought it was pretty amusing that Boyega and Kaluuya were the first two nominees. It's like I, there's, I was just sensing a pattern. Well, I was, I also, I think I, I was texting with Joe and I think I, tw- I texted him when he was like, uh, boy, it really seems that like they're making up for something, aren't they? And then I said, I know it was voting yesterday. Like what is like, they were like, oh my God, we have this huge political storm. Uh, can we just change all of our votes? But um, even, even, even for me, like that, that's true. But really what I was talking about is how they're super British. Oh yeah. Very thick accented. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's speech was great when he eventually came back. I like that he wasn't like upset about it. He was very joyful and happy. Sure. Um, Anya Taylor Joy won. Uh, she's technically Latinx. I'm pretty sure. I think she was born. Yeah, in- she's Argentinian. Yeah. Yep. Which uh, I saw. You know, I saw I saw some kind of article about how like oh Anya Taylor Joy like a, another POC win, which I I think like. I'm 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 sure she doesn't want and does her a real disservice. Uh, it wasn't the um, Shit's Creek Runaway people thought it would be. Sure. Um, Catherine O'Hara did win for actress, but Jason Sudeikis won for Ted Lasso. She and got, uh, uh, 
Apple TV. Have you watched Ted Lasso? No, I, you know, the thing about Apple TV is that I'm eventually not going to have it. And I'm either, I, I, I don't know if it's the kind of thing where you can have someone's password, like a Netflix, not that I would ever do that, but I don't know if it's that kind of thing. I don't know. I, it might be. Do you think uh, it is? But I, I don't know, but like, I, I don't well, know. My question you, have, is, you have your own thing, right? Right. But why would I get invested when after my year or whatever is up, I'm going to have to pay for it. And if I can't get oh, somebody else's I thing, see. you know what I mean? So I, well, I, I, because it's, it's beloved, it's everyone's favorite show in the world. I, know. I, 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 I really need to crack it. I'm still making my way through. I may destroy you. So I need to, sure. well, let me finish. Last, that's a little bit of a, uh, an easier watch. That'll be the right before bed watch. Uh, both Emma Corrin and Josh O'Connor, uh, Charles and Diana, both won. Sure. And uh, Schitt's Creek won musical comedy. It's actually the uh, the longest running or the oldest, technically, uh, winner in like 30 years. Because usually the Globes have a thing where they go for the new shows. Right. Uh, Mother in the Jungle, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't know if that won, but Rachel Bloom won. Brooklyn sure. Nine-Nine. They really love the first new thing. And then they ignore it. So this was its sixth season, first time nominated and it won. And then the crown won uh, as well. So anyway, let's, let's go back up. Okay. Mir and I uh, famously uh, and controversially not nominated for drama. Is that how you pronounce it? Mirai. Or, okay. You just looked very confused. Yeah. I, I, I didn't Is Mir know and it. I another film? Never heard of it. Mir and I. Okay. Oh, I was, no, no. Minari is what it is. Minari. Just, that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Minari, I haven't heard something else. I don't know what I'm talking about now. Minari, one best foreign film, even though it is an American film made by Americans for Americans, you know, for the public. Uh, But it is uh, mainly in Korean. So they disqualified it from being nominated in uh, best drama, which is silly. It's silly in the sense that I feel like if foreign language films can be nominated in director. Like I know for sure Julian Schnobel for Diving Bell and the Butterfly was. Then they should be eligible for drama. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, all, all of these awards bodies trying to pretend that their rules like exist and mean something are stupid. Every, t- every time, you know, whether it's the Golden Globes or the Oscars being like, I don't know, guys, the bylaws say this, so we can't. Like, shut the fuck up. Just nominate the movie. It's the Minari, Minari's a big, a big, uh, a big critical contender. It's an American movie. Just fucking nominate it and shut up. Like, what yeah. are you, what are you doing? Your rules don't exist. It's like we're no. playing whose lines it anyway. Everything's made up. None of this matters. Just do it. Um, but it did win, obviously. Uh, Soul or Sal, one foreign language uh, animated film. Sure. Um, just a, just a, just cla- I, I did like Tina coming out and go, boy, my, do I miss that. With uh, with with uh, Tracy Morgan, I, th- I thought that was a lot of fun. Her walking up, being like, "That brings me right back." It's like I'm back at work. Right. Um, yeah, uh, Lo C from uh, uh, The Life Ahead won Best Original Song. Okay, um, it's a very Italian film, so sure. And Diane Warren, people like her a lot. She's a very much an Oscar um, songwriter, uh, bridesmaid. I'm saying, never a yeah. bride, always a bride. Yeah. Uh, John Batiste, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross won Soul. For Soul, uh, for Best Original Score, they'll probably win the Oscar. Aaron Sorkin becomes the um, most Golden Globe awarded screenwriter, tying somebody else and Quentin Tarantino. And he also is the most nominated with eight of his projects. Oh, wow. But he this, this was his third uh, screenplay. 
Uh, Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland. She becomes the second female director and the first uh, director of color, but second after Barbara Streisand for Yentl, like 30, 40 years ago. Um, she won for Nomadland. Jodie Foster won for a movie whose name I still can't pronounce. Um, yep, that's it. Uh, he was great in The Matrix Reloaded. It's got a great cast. Why don't you click on that? You'll be really surprised by who's in it. I have nothing to click on, but I'll look it up later. No, no, I got it. It stars, obviously, well, she's the supporting, but uh, it stars, among uh, other people, um, a gentleman named uh, uh, Tarar Rahim, Shailene Woodley, and Benedict Cumberbatch is in this movie. Um, it's supposed to be fine, but she certainly uh, has a, a play for an Oscar nomination. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, big, big splash for Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, he he can certainly lead this to an Oscar nomination and maybe even an Oscar win. Uh, it's a very late breaking film, but uh, he's, he's on a really good path. Rosamund Pike, surprising people thought it'd be uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat. Sure. She's uh, she's in the front runner for just to be nominated for uh, supporting actress. And she lost actress to Rosamund Pike for I care a lot, which I think people feel mixed about. I don't know. I think that's um, right. And uh, Sasha Baron Cohen won uh, for Borat. He won as well for the first Borat film. Um, uh, and then uh, uh, Andrew Day for the United States vs. Billie Holiday, a film getting mixed reviews, but certainly not for her. She's supposed to be great in it on Hulu. Directed by people to be excited to win an award tonight. Directed by Lee Daniels, um, she beat out heavy contenders. I mean, any of the other four really could have uh, won, and she was probably last on this list. That's a huge surprise. She was not nominated for a SAG, but this might lead her to an Oscar nomination. We'll have to see. But um, very surprising. Uh, and then uh, Chadwick Boseman won uh, posthumously for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, what did you think? I, I really don't think I can take uh, more than one uh, speech by his wife because that was just that was brutal. Yes, that was a very was moving speech. Moving. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, I really don't think I can handle that. And I was also very worried <laughs> that it would uh, Renee Zellweger Renee Zellweger would go. <laughs> The winner is Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I accept this award on Chadwick's behalf and walk off the stage. And I was like, no. Yeah. That would have been fun. Uh, yeah, she gave, she gave a great speech. It was one of the one of the high points of the night. Uh, he is certainly. Way to put it. He is uh, certainly uh, the front runner to win uh, Best Actor. He's the first to win in that category posthumously since, uh, pro- I think, Peter Finch. One for network be my guess. Uh, Nomadland won drama, which is a huge thing for. I mean, the Trial Chicago Seven seems right up their alley. So does Mank, and the Father is just a British as fuck film. So uh, that's a big win, and it got um, uh, uh, director. So it's a really strong push for it. Didn't win actress, which kind of hurts it, but uh, I think it's still a front runner for picture. And uh, Borat's subsequent movie film becomes the first. Uh, sequel in history to win that award as well as winning for its first installment noah wow technically toy story 2 did win but toy story did not and that was before the um the animated category was created obviously but uh yes this is the first franchise where the first and two installments have won that musical comedy golden globe so very cool and it's uh, arguably the most deserving of those, although I do really like Palm Springs. Yeah, um, yeah. I would have got Palm Springs there myself. 
And uh, yeah, that's it. Um, Borat has had a strong showing. Um, we'll see if Sa- it's a crowded field. I doubt Sasha will get in there, but uh, I'm really hoping Maria Bakalova does. And uh, Nomadland had a really good night, and Chadwick is on his way to wrapping up uh, an Oscar moment. So yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, I four movies. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, I just wanted to say the what I find most interesting, just personally, about the award season is that I've I've really fallen behind on the awards movies. Uh-huh. And so I'm, uh, I've, I've decided what I'm going to do here is once the Oscar nominations come out is when I'm going to start catching up so I can really start forming my opinions in real time. Okay. Like who should, who should win this? Should it be Kaluuya for De- uh, Judas and the Black Messiah? Uh, you know, I've seen a few of them, uh, seen, seen Ma Rainey's, but like I haven't watched Nomadland yet. I haven't seen a promising young woman or uh, any, any number uh, of these movies. Uh, Minari. Yes. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested to see, to see it all form one night in Miami. I haven't seen to see it all form at once rather than just kind of slowly throughout the year. I just kind of, I kind of know by now, like, all right, I know, I know who's good and everything, etc. Well, you'll be doing that and watching movies for a podcast. So you'll be pretty busy. Uh, before we move on, uh, let's let's take a break. This edition of Multiplex Madness is brought to you by Shrek Forever After. Critics everywhere reviewed Shrek Forever After as though they were reviewing Evil Dead, or perhaps they were possessed by a demon. Yeah. Deborah Ross of The Spectator writes, The rot set in with the third film, I think, and now with the fourth, It's decomposed and gone to that black sludge you get at the bottom of the bin. Gross. I don't even know what to say to that. The the whole the whole review, frankly, is is chock a block with insanity, and I'll share more of it with you off mic because the So she she did not like it. I tell you. She felt that it had decomposed and gone to black sludge. Is that what happens to movies, I guess? Yep. <laughs> they, okay. they, they turn into smelly goo. And then Black Sludge, you got it. Shrek Forever After. Bin Sludge. <laughs> and... All right, and we're, we're back, Noah. Come and gone from a theater near you. Take us back in time. All right. Uh, after many weeks of themed will smith weeks it's fun to just go back uh, to an earlier week 10 uh we're looking at week 10 of 2009 there is one film we're going for here watchmen yep nailed it right off the bat mm-hmm. excellent job you want to know why because immediately when you when i think of past march movies my mind goes to 300 or and just thinking about it now or maybe monsters or aliens for some reason but 300 and so I was like, is it 300? No, that was two years earlier, which means because it would be silly if Warner Brothers didn't slate Zack Snyder's follow-up on the same weekend as sure. 300. Very well so done. That, oh, and I know exactly what that opened to. That opened to, oh boy, I'm going to get it wrong now. 50, <laughs> Do you? That opened to $50 million. Nope. I... It opened to $57 million. It's still, uh, still off. Not by much, I don't think. <laughs> Was this a holiday weekend? <laughs> what Not are we doing? 
All right, uh, sixty sixty million dollars. Yeah, this came out on a. Uh, came out all right. Well, now, now I'm calling it into question because so the number I'm being given here, I am too. Yes, uh, is uh, oh, are they? Did they? Okay. I, th- I think I, I think I, I think I see what was done to me here. Okay. Uh, I clicked on the button I usually click on, and it took me somewhere else. Uh, it opened to fifty-five million dollars. <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go, we'll go back to you being correct. What were uh, you thinking? What did? It, what was it saying? For some reason, it took me to the weekly chart instead of the weekend. Oh. So it was including up through the following Thursday. So how much was that then? Sixty-seven. I see. No, 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 no. Uh, no, it made made I guess fifty-five, and it only made like one hundred nine total. It just it did completely cratered after that because it wasn't what people were expecting. So yeah, what are you gonna do? At least he got it made. Yeah. Anything else? Years later, he would uh, release the Snyder cut. No, that was it for that weekend. Almost on the eleven-year anniversary, almost. I, I almost, you know, you mentioned 300. I almost went with the weekend that was 302. I've already forgotten what it was called. Uh, uh, Rise of an Empire. Yes. Uh, but it was that and Mr. Peabody and Sherman. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to take 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, obviously no commentary on you, but like, how am I going to get you to guess Mr. Peabody right. and Sherman? Sure. Sure. Quiet you. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, that's all though. All right. Uh, that's it then. Uh, Noah, plug us up. All right. You can come find us at what's in the box We are on Twitter at wit box office. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. At Brian DeSerber, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. And of course the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Apple podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Uh, a whole, a uh, whole new endeavor here, a whole new world. I think it's going to be a very interesting one. Uh, get in on the ground floor guys. Get in while the getting is on the ground floor. Um, didn't think of an outro. Just realized that now. So I'm gonna wing Goodbye. one, and we're I'm gonna wing one, and we're gonna use it for the rest of uh, of the tournament. Okay, so uh, that's it uh, for the beginning of Mudsplex Madness forever. It has started. Uh, and we're going to go for a very long time, not forever, but for a very long time. We're going to determine the greatest blockbuster of the nineties. Tune in next week where we decide the. Uh, the rest of the tournament. We do the second half of the draft where we will be counting down uh, the genres of family films, action films, romantic comedies, and sequels. A lot of big names. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you next week. Uh, this has been what's in the box office. I've been your host, Brian. I've been your host, Noah. We'll see you next week. And until then, I've got what's one. a nineties phrase. What's a nineties phrase. I've- if if I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and take this. Uh, right. uh, see you next week, and if uh, we don't see you before then, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's exactly what it is.